Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Music People. Today, we travel a bit further down the country than where we've been going recently. I think it's fair to say this is East Midlands, and we are... Has <laughs> that wound you up already? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I was just going to no, yeah. say I'm from Stoke or something. Do you know what I mean? You're from Stoke, aren't you? No, I'm not. Not with that accent, no chance. Not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. So I'm going to well. I'm going to welcome to the podcast who I've already annoyed, the wonderful, incredible, completely incorrigible Kieran Fitzsimmons. Hi, Kieran. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Lovely to be on it. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm really good, and it's really nice to hear from you. So, yeah, what? Let's set the scene. So, where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm in my. Uh, I'm in my office on the top floor of my house. So I've got laptops, got my speakers, loads of books, the odd trainer here or there. And you are, correct me if I'm wrong, as well, um, location, locationally, you are in the shadow of Nottingham Forest football ground. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we've narrowed you down a bit, but don't worry. The, the fans, <laughs> I don't think the fans will, will, are going to come flocking on, on, the, on the basis of that, that description. Yeah. They'll probably start throwing cabbages and things like that into my garden. <laughs> can I can I ask? Uh, this might narrow it down some more if someone's peeking through a window. But well, I'd like to know what you're wearing, please. Uh, I've got a, a white Cortina's t-shirt on and a pair of blue material shorts. So it's proper um, it's proper lockdown chic at the moment inside, based on comfort rather than functionality. It sounds comfortable, but also trendy. I mean, we've had lots of people in lounge pants and robes so far. I'm not massively into. I do like it. You know, I am a casual by by proxy, but um, due to the temperature in our house, I like to keep it shorts because I'm sort of my folks are Irish. Uh, the, the cold doesn't really affect me in so much as you know. I can quite happily walk out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on site in a in a in a suit with short sleeves. I'm glad you said Irish because that nicely segues into a music question before we start meandering on about in-house fashion. You mentioned that you were of Irish stock, and I think the yeah. name's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah. The first question I asked you is how old you were um, when you became aware of music. Yeah. And interestingly, your answer was. Yeah, country and western music and some and some um, Irish Cayley music. Well, there you go. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Well, we used to, obviously, my mum and dad came over from Ireland in the early 70s to make a better life for themselves, as a lot of people from all parts of Europe did. And um, we spent a lot of time in Ireland. You know, like when we were younger, we used to like, you know, at Christmas and Easter in the summer, you know, we used to literally spend a lot of time there. Right, okay. My mum was from the west coast of Ireland in Mayo, which is quite rugged and beautiful, really beautiful, lovely people. Massive music, like completely and utterly crackers for very Irish, you know, uh, as my mum used to say, God rest her soul, she used to do like all that sort of like, you know, Tim Whistles, yeah. accordions, boy runs and all that. And so this Cayley music is essentially it's Irish traditional folk, is, is that correct? Yeah. And it's a very social social type of music. Yeah. It's, I can always remember, like, being really young and, and, and 
you know, my mum used to be get ready to go out, and she'd have a you know she'd have a wireless on, okay. on my granny's old wireless, and I'd, like, there used to be a program called Katie House, which was just pure Katie music, and they're all speaking in Gaelic presenters, and um, it was lovely. It's just beautiful. Music. It's just just it's just music. It's just a it's just a you just have that feeling. Do you know what I mean? You just have that yeah. memory that brings you back, and it's quite emotive. I, I love folk and roots music. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so au fait with the Irish music particularly, but I get it totally. Yeah, get it. this is is literally you know you're in a house full of about 900 people, and you know yeah. they're just well, not currently. Crack- no. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously yeah. not. Yeah, especially going to Stirfall. But yeah, it was it's a very community. You know, it's very um, community feel, and um, yeah, that's you know my mum was like really into that, and she also liked like Irish like Irish music in terms of you know, like Irish musicians doing crunch and Western and, and okay, sort of, yeah. it, it sort of leads on to, you know, the, the crunch and Western part is, is mainly my dad because my dad was from a different part of Ireland. It's called Cavan, which is sort of like in the Midlands of Ireland. Okay. And he had a younger brother who was, had his own band and he, it was like a show band. He used to go and do like dances in Ireland and he was quite successful and he right. sort of, you're just there, aren't you? You know, as you're a kid, yeah. you go to, you know, and, and, you know, you go and you see your uncle play and it was good music. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think, I think it was sort of like probably between the age of like seven or eight. I remember sitting down watching my uncle play and it was quite a busy sort of bar and there was like people dancing, you know, proper, like not yeah. like, not raising, but like doing proper waltzes and all yeah. that malarkey. I thought so, bloody hell, like live music. It's just, it just, you sort of, a light switches on going, this is fucking brilliant. Do you know what? You, you, you're nailing this first question, mate. It's, it's miles yeah. better than the birdie song, this. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you get, um, yeah, you just you, you just have that, those memories. And, and like, you know, my dad was a massive influence on my musical sort of like grounding because yeah. you spend loads of time in the car because we used to travel for four or five hours from Nottingham to Hollyhead and then travel another four or five hours when we got over to Ireland. And he used to play, you know, like, uh, you know, Glenn Campbell and, uh, oh, and, yeah. and like Johnny Cash and Buck Owens. And, um, and I suppose the old, the older I got and the older he got, his sort of, his sort of influences changed as generally lots of people change in terms of their musical styles and the musical genres. So, you know, it was, um, it's it's great. It's it's something that is really I, I love I love listening to it. Amongst other things, it's you know it's music is literally an auditory library where ever, anyone can go and can dip into any genre and hopefully get something out of it. And I think that's that's something that I really really buy into. Do you know what I mean? So okay, okay, we've we've spoken about. Um the music that you were first introduced to. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing because you've spoke quite passionately about about that music that you were, you you became aware of stuff that was was more your choice during your preteens. A lot of people do it later, but it sounds like very much like you, I'm guessing you you found your own music in your preteens. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think I think a lot of people of of, of a certain age, like you know, you listen to a lot of radio and. This is the top thirty, and I was I was definitely a, yeah. a chart music head, and you know I can remember like 
having like a goat blaster with my brother, like recording like Kid Jensen's top Coca Cola top thirty, yeah. and recording. You know what I mean? Like you know the, the adage of yeah. recording the song and then pause it when he just starts to speak. I think it was Tommy Vance when I was doing that. Tommy Vance, <laughs> Tommy taping, taping, yeah, taping Angel as the centerfold by the Jay Gals band off. Of oh yeah, exactly. Exposing away the appreciation of pop music as an art form sort of really heavily influenced me between the ages of about, I don't know, nine and probably eight, nine, up to probably about 11, 12, 13, do you know what I mean? The yeah. Watching um, Top of the Pops and, you know. I can't think of a better a better choice than your first one that encapsulates that, and it's Madonna, her brilliant, unpretentious best for me. And it is? Borderline by Madonna, Borderline. yeah. So, so yeah, pop. yeah, totally. The um, I think I think um, having having listened to your first podcast with uh, Ben and, and what Ben was saying about you know Kylie Minogue and how Kylie is very clever in terms of you know cheap, you know having the right producers at the right time for the right yeah. sound for the right song. Totally. I think, yeah. I think I Work think with the right gonna, people yeah. exactly. And I think you know obviously when I was nine or ten i didn't really go into the didn't go into the sleeve notes oh i didn't know you know jelly bean benitez you know produced i don't know if he did but i know he, he did some of did some of the stuff but this song is it's just such a beautiful it's it's wicked pop. and it's just a riff, great song yeah the keyboard riff that no 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 it's just perfect it's perfect isn't it it's it's it it, it, it brings back lots of good memories of being you know rousing about on my budget bike yeah, you know what I mean? Not bothered, not bothered. You know, six weeks holidays feel like, you know, six months and having the music on upstairs in, in a bedroom. I used to share a bedroom with my brother till we were like 13 or 14 and just having okay. just having that constant music. Sharing um, records? Well, not really. Well, my brother wasn't, he wasn't really into records at the time. It was a lot of it was just taping and we just had, we just had like, you know, like a, a ghetto blaster that I think we both got as a Christmas present one year and and, and mithering my mum and dad about, Dad, can you get me some more tapes? Dad, can you get me some more tapes? Because you start running out of tapes. And then you put, you put the sellotape over the tops then, don't Exa- you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, it was. It, it's um, it's a great song, really is. It, 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 is. It's, it it's, is. You know, I never get bored of it. Now, your second one is a bit more, um, well, let's call it um, divisive, I would guess. Yeah. Some people love it, some people hate it. He's actually a local lad. He's probably, I think he's probably born a, a, within a couple of miles of where I'm sat. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, your second track. Never going to give you up by Rick Astley. So, yeah, yeah I used to love Rick Astley. Still about at the minute, isn't he? He's often. He's often. Yeah. Like my youngest, like, I remember about, I don't know, about three or four months ago, my youngest said to me, Dad, have you heard this song? And, I, and it was never going to give you. Yeah, it's by Rick Astley, never going to give you up. And his face drops. And how did you know that? I said, this was out when I was your age. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I, I just used to, yeah, I, I used to love it. And I, and unfortunately, I used to, I, I tried to emulate his A dance and what, what he looked like in terms of that sort of, I don't know. He had a slick haircut, mate. Yeah, he had slick a slick haircut. haircut. Yeah, he was, he was, um, yeah, it, it was very suave and sophisticated and even tried to dance like him, even though he doesn't really, he sort of has a very strange dance. But yeah, I remember getting the tape, his first album um, on tape for Christmas one year in Ireland. And 
I just used to know. I just caned it. You know, there's no disputing. There's no disputing, Kieran, that he, he has got a, a great vocal. And I have an interesting story about him that made me that made me feel a little bit. I never disliked him, but I just thought you're the man. He's, he, he owns his, his, I think it was his uncle, his auntie owned a garden centre that's just down the road from me. Yeah. Um, it, it's owned by somebody else now. And he, and I remember in an interview with him, and he was saying that he used to um, enjoy sitting in the car park, playing on the tape machine in his in his uncle's car. And he remembers that when he, that's when he first heard Power Age by ACDC. All right. And he just used to love listening to Power Age by ACDC, sat in that garden centre. And it just, wow. I just thought, fuck me, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man, Ashley. Dressed in a, in a double-breasted cardigan and a roll neck and a pair of chinos and a pair of espadrilles. I mean, sitting down listening to that. Sitting, sitting down listening to arguably one of the greatest uh, rock and roll albums of all time. That's a good story. Your third choice, mate, is is just off the chart when it comes to originality. And it, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's one that profoundly affected me at the time. Yeah, why don't you talk to me about Relax by Frankly Goes to Hollywood? This was the first record that I ever bought. I can remember it very clearly. I was like 10, it was in the summer, and my brother went into town and I said, can you get me this record? And I think he got it from WH Smith or something. Single or album, mate? Uh, it was a 12-inch single, Relax. Okay. 12-inch single, yeah. So he brings it back and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm that, I'm that happy that I was like waiting for my dad to come home from work to show it him. So dad, dad, look, I've got relaxed by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And when I showed he, like he, he was coming in, coming in from the, in the back garden into the back door. And I went out and I showed him and, and I opened the, the sleeve and showed him the record and the record slipped out of my hand. And it oh, sort no. of like, yeah. <laughs> and it sort of, it sort of bounced. And then I picked no. it, it sort of bounced, but it, did, it sort of cracked, but I could still play it. It could still play it. And, um, yeah, this 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 record is is just phenomenal, and and the thing about it is, Martin. The, the, obviously, the undertones where Mike Reed said, "Yeah, we can't play this because it's got a certain amount of sexual connotations that aren't." Well, that committed. did it. Nothing but good, didn't it? And you're right. It's so it's so groundbreaking. Exactly, but I didn't buy it for that. I just bought it because it's a great tune. You're not wrong. People have already spoken about this, and and it's not a coincidence. It's it's a work of uh, it's a work of genius, and Trevor Horn's work. Uh, Trevor Horn is as important as the band, if not more important, on this 100%. record. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah, completely. He's 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 a bit of a genius as well in the pop world. Mm. And let's not underestimate Holly Holly Johnson's vocals because apparently when it, they basically re-recorded i'm talking about the album as a whole now but apparently the all the band disappeared and, and as was certain producers once in those days and indeed up until relatively recently i think um if the music was not to scratch they, they re-recorded it themselves so holly johnson comes back in with this absolute fucking masterpiece to sing over and absolutely nailed it apparently so there you go. So it's basically Trevor Horn, some session musicians, and and uh, Holly Johnson, the, the icing on the cake. So there you go. That, that that like you know, relax is probably the pinnacle. But like in terms of their their body of work, you know, like some like two tribes is just another. It was a very close it, two tribes, and this was a very. I was umming and ahhing about which one was the third one. You couldn't have gone wrong with it. Yeah, it, it's just a beast of a song. Agreed, one hundred percent agreed. Should we take you out of your um, pre-teens now? Okay, and, yeah, please do. Um, <laughs> please do. <laughs> and, um, it, we might skip in and out of chronological order now, but what I okay. want to know 
from from your teenage years, was there a point in that period where you latched onto an image or a trend, and how did you dress? You know, do you, do you know what I mean? It, it, it's yeah, that yeah. period of time where people find themselves and start either emulating somebody or dressing a certain way. So, were you part of a scene? Yeah, I think it was. I think um, I think there was a definite sort of paradigm shift where you know my mum wasn't laying out my clothes and I was just putting them on. I was sort of sort of like going, "Hold on, I don't want to wear that." I don't want to wear a jumper that matches dad's. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to wear a red shirt saying hot shot on it. You know, like a proper like cowboy type shirt with a pair of like jumbo brown corduroys and a pair of like slip-ons. T-shirt that says Karen on it. <laughs> I think it sort of leads on to the fact that the thing that changed my complete outlook of my own musical taste was... And this sort of links into like the clothes and all that was the fact that I remember being at school, I was like 14 or 15, there was a guy at school called Chris. And he was like, oh, man, oh you want Jesus? I've got this tape, you've got to listen to it, you've got to listen to it. By Bank of the Stone Roses. And he gives me this like hooky tape. Right? Yeah. Go home. I don't run home, just go home and go upstairs in my room, put it on, and I'm like, fucking hell. This is like, what the, f- what the fuck is this? Quite genuinely, that the exact thing happened to me. A friend of mine called Michelle, lent me the tape, took it home, blew my mind completely. We, we must be, I think we're of a similar age by the, of, yeah. I mean, yeah, we are. We? Yeah. But exactly the same. And we won't be the first people to say this and we won't be the last, will we? We won't. So that led you down into a, into sort of the late 80s world of uh, sort of baggy, baggy clothing and acid. Yeah. Just going into town with my mates and getting a pair of 32-inch parallel flares and Yes. Cutting the bottoms off to make them even flary. And there used to be a shop called Bankrupt Clothing that was on Pelham Street in Nottingham, near Clumber Street, which you know quite well. I do. And it used to have literally, you know, it used to have like hundreds of different types of you know, Joe blogs or whatever. And I think I got a pair of Joe blogs, like 32 inch flares, like pretty, not deep blue, but quite like light blue, not snow wash, but light blue. And, and, and they also sold like, you know, hooded tops and, Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that was that was the sort of vibe I was getting, and and I suppose in a way, because my I had an older brother who was like a couple of years older than me. He was sort of like he was quite an influence in terms of fashion relating to relating to like this baggage because he was my brother was mad into it, pun, pun intended, mad into it. Mad, yeah, mad into it. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. And you know, not even at the time, it wasn't like a hot hotbed of you know musical musical fervor or bands. And so we sort of looked up to the northwest and the, the whole indie scene and the baggy scene. I was a proper baggy head. Do you know what I mean? I was like just yeah, anything. I was just consuming everything in terms of the music. What I'd like to do is interesting. You've said that about the baggy scene from Manchester influencing other bands. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is talk about one of your choices from from these years. That I mean, they, they all you could make a nice compilation, which we will do. We're, we're going to create a playlist of music, but it's all going to work really well. Your playlist, and I want to talk about your second choice, "Flowered Up." Okay. You've gone for "Flowered Up," and I want to talk about that because obviously they were a London band, yeah. clearly heavily influenced by the Manchester scene. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, completely. And, I, and I've got a, and I've and I've got a story that's going to not yeah not your block off. This. Do you want to tell um, the listeners what song you've chosen and then hit us with the story? Yeah, so the song's called Phobia by Flowered Up. One of my best mates, Daniel, was like me, a proper into 
all this sort of music. You know, we're talking Stone Roses, Flower Up, Saint Etienne, Paris Angels, Charlatans, you know, all those. Like, and um, this was, you know, you got to think about the time it was like 1990, and you know, Daniel used to be into like writing to record companies, saying, "Hi, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm really love your band. Have you got any like, you know, have you got any like stickers or any promo photos? Blah blah blah." Obviously, Flower Up on Heavenly Records and. The, the owner of Heavenly Records is a guy called Jeff Barrett, who used to be the press. He used to do the press for um, Primal Scream and the Happy Mondays. All right, okay. Yeah. Cool. So Heavenly had, at the time, had like Flower Up, St. Etienne, had the Manic Street Preachers, uh, had a couple of other bands. and um, Just a few, just a few just little a few. decent bands there. Yeah. And like, you know, Dan, Dan used to send it off, you know, and most of the time he didn't get anything back, but. I remember him get, he, he got a he got a letter back from Bob Stanley, who was part of the who was one of the members of Saint Etienne, and oh right, yeah, 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 Other and he got loads of promo. He got I think he got a record and a couple of promo shots, and then Jeff Barrett wrote to him, and he was going, oh, listen, really love lovely to hear that you know you're really into the music, and I want to tell you about this band called Flat Up. Just come on the scene, blah blah blah. Ace. So we're like going, who's this Flat Up? And obviously at the time there was no internet, and there was used to be a there used to be a program obviously talk. Two called Snub TV. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. And yeah. uh, I think there was some sort of there was some sort of like interview and a, a, a live performance. It had loads of different like new up and coming bands, and they were on it. Jeff said, "Right, flowed up, flowed up. We're coming. They're doing like a short tour, and they're coming to a, a club in Nottingham called Venus. Do you want to go? We'll get you on a oh, guest bro. list." And while we're like seventeen, thinking, "Fucking hell, this is like what?" That is great. And um, it was probably the second gig that i ever went to no and, good God. and it was like it was just fucking carnage i swear to god it was quite a small place and because they're like because enemy and the manager mate were really hyped up flat because obviously you're from london and you know they, they they've done some live performances i remember they they did they supported Northside um at the NBC club years ago Northside, uh, yeah Northside. and um shall we take a trip down memory yeah. lane <laughs> exactly Loads of movie places. And uh, we went, it was just fucking amazing. We met them and they signed loads of stuff and they were just animals. Please tell me you've, got, you've still got this stuff. Uh, I've got a few bits. I remember I've got a program somewhere uh, that they signed, but bearing in mind we're only 17 and they were like 19 or 20. And, you know, without going into great detail, they were, li- they were just. And they lived it. They were, yeah, they were full throttle. We met Jeff and he's a lovely guy, uh, really nice. And, but what's interesting is, they, you know, obviously they they flowed up, got a record, rec- they won heavily, and then they got signed by a major, and it sort of went a bit downhill. But the song Phobia, from if you search Phobia on Spotify or any, had a listen yesterday, loved it. Yeah, I, I do know it, but I had to jog my memory. But yeah, you get the album version, which is a bit, which is a bit smoothed out and a bit more polished. And they yeah. did it; they did the original um, on um, on Heavenly Records. And it's a totally different kettle of fish. It's just... And you prefer the rougher version? I do, because it, it's just... I don't know. It's just, like, harshly beautiful. Do you know what I mean? It's just harsh. Yeah, I get you. Is that a bit like um, the uh, the first um, Happy Mondays album's a bit rougher? What was it called? Was it Which one was it? Was it called... It's got a really daft title on it that I can't remember right Howard and G-Man with someone like Howard and G-Man. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Is it that kind of thing, do you mean? Yeah, because I'm troubling. Yeah. yeah, it's just... It's rough but beautiful when you get it. And at, at the time, you know what I mean? It's like we're 17 and, and heavily influenced by all this stuff. So I, I can't pass 
I can't pass by this flowered up without saying weekend which was the one that I used to love. Yeah, the, the sax solo in that is just ridiculous in terms of... Oh, it's of, incredible. It's, is, it, it's, is Andy Weatherall got out to do with that mix? He did do He did do a couple of mixes, not the original mix. He, he did do a different mix. Yeah, the big long one. Yeah, it's really good. I remember literally spending hours just watching that with my mates. Just keep going, watching it again and again and again. And I felt, I felt privileged. I feel privileged. Big up for that. Big up for bringing Flowered Up onto the show because they're, you know, well, well worth remembering. I'd like to bring this section to a close by let, talking about who we started with because your third choice was a track by The Stone Roses that I don't think was on the first album, but it was released just before or just around the time of the album, but wasn't on the original release. Yeah, Elephant Stone. Yeah, brilliant, bro. So, yeah, the, the, we, we could go on for six or seven hours talking about how amazing they are and how amazing yeah. this song is. Um, on, on my notes, I mean, you can extol all the virtues of the Stone Roses. For my opinion is that the reason, you know, every, people gone about John Squire, etc. the drums and the bass are world, world class for me in the Stone Roses, and that is the bedrock for how brilliant they were. I agree with you. Like, I've discussed, we've discussed this out of this podcast in terms of um, like seeing them live. You know, I remember seeing them live when they did, I didn't see them live first time around, but when the second coming came out, I went to see them at Leicester, the Montford Hall with one of my mates, Ben. And I remember just standing up for the whole concert with my mouth wide open, yeah. glancing over, looking at him, and he was exactly the same. And it was just mind blowing. Like Rennie and Manny are just exceptional, aren't they? Yeah, they're exceptional. I don't think if you take Rennie out of, out of the Stone Roses, it isn't the Stone Roses. I don't think. No, I totally, totally agree. Totally, he's he's on another planet. If you look at like when, when you know, saw him a couple of times when they probably three or four times when they when they uh, reunited, the music, the music, the musicianship, and the vibe and the groove is just. It's just on another level. For me, Rennie, if you fused the um, the sloppiness of Keith Moon, and I don't mean that in a bad way, because I've got, for God's sake, I've got his, his name tattooed on my arm, yeah. the wonderful erratic sloppiness of Keith Moon and fused that with the technical yet funky ability of John Bonham, yeah. in the middle there sits Rennie, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's beautiful, that is. That, you're right. I'm definitely having that. Yeah, I told you previously that I've been in a band uh, for a long time. You know, we haven't done much, but you know, in terms of critical success, but we do it now because we enjoy it. And and yeah. even speaking to you know the drummer, my drummer in the band H. Um, yeah, it, it, I remember sitting down with Howie and and him literally critiquing what Rennie's doing. It's just ridiculous. They can't. It's very difficult to replicate. Yeah, you'd know where you could copy it. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah, agree. Same way, Moon, you couldn't copy. Yeah, no, you couldn't because you couldn't. It's almost like each performance was you could yeah. know, if, if you try to tabulate it. Every performance would be different. It's not like a template. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like right. I'm just going to keep the time and that's it. So, Kieran, we're going to take off the tie dye t shirt, fold up the flares. <laughs> and we're going to put them in the drawer okay. for when they become uh, fashionable again. And we're going to talk about you as an adult. Now, obviously, I know this period spans a wide. It's a, it's a wide period of time, but I think it's quite. It meets, makes the questions quite challenging. Um, and I want you 
from that period onwards, which we'll consider adult years, to take me through the three songs that have affected your adulthood the most? Okay, first one is by the Eagles, Take It Easy. I think as you get older, music and songs take different shapes and different feelings. And I think with this, this song sort of reminds me of a dad a lot, um, who's no longer with us because uh, I can remember like, like looking back when you're an adult, looking back when you're a kid, you do sort of do a lot of recollections, you know, as you get older. And I can remember like driving like in Ireland with him and we're in it, when the, the car, I was in the front with him and, you know, he had the Eagles on and Take It Easy came on and it's, we're sort of driving around the West Coast. We're driving, I think we were going to the shop to get some papers and some milk from a granny's house in Mayo. And where, where she lived is like right on the west tip of Ireland. So it's basically a coast road. And this song, like I remember doing it really early in the morning. It was beautifully, like amazingly in the West Coast because usually it's a bit like Manchester. It just rains a lot. But every so often you have these days where it, it just, like I've only been to California once or tw- once, not twice, but once. And uh, it reminded me of like listening to that. And you know, like when you're driving and the song comes on and you think, fucking hell, this is like perfect. Yeah, totally. A, a beautiful vibe. It's just America, but it was an island and it reminds me of a dad and it helped me a lot in terms of, you know, you know, just in life and what life throws at you. And um, it's just a great song. The Eagles are just a great band. This is the example you've given is a brilliant example of how music records your past so vividly. Yes. And when how hearing a song will take you back to a beautiful time and a beautiful place and, and it will help you remember something that you never want to forget. And exactly. that is what the show, show is all about. Completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um... Should we move on to your second track? This is one, you know, I've been, I, I, I know that I'm in a minority here. Mm. I've, never got, I've never got this band. And I know <laughs> fucking millions of people have. And I'm going to get pelters for this. Talk to me. Talk to me about the doves and talk to me about this song and why. So, almost forgot myself by the doves is, I think, is probably if there was like a perfect song to sum up the doves and their body of work, this is it. There's a lot of songs that have been in the charts. Oh, yeah, Black and White Town, Catch the Sun, Snowden, you know, even the new stuff. But I think this song is from. The, the, the beautiful vocals to their sort of beautiful way it's been arranged and, 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 and what I love about the Doves is that you know they, they came from being like a, dan- a dodgy dance band called Sub Sub and, and they sort of like I remember Sub Sub yeah you know ain't no it was it ain't no down ain't no use with Melanie yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. They, I, I'm I, sure yeah, yeah yeah I remember them and um, they just this song is just, it's just amazingly brilliant, and and the way it's amazingly brilliant is the ebb and flow and the rhythm of the song, and how it sort of crescendos in and out. Uh, and what I love about the Doves is they get they pack so much stuff into their songs. It's not just a bass, a guitar, and drums. There's there's keyboards, there's distortion. There's sort of like ethereal effects, um, and it just 
is it, it's it's like it's like sitting in the dock and then suddenly the sun comes up and each step the sun comes up and rises you can feel the warmth of the sun on your face nice until sort of like three minutes and 20 seconds into the song there's a final bridge that literally like i'm talking about it now i'm getting goosebumps because it's just so amazingly beautiful brilliantly described it's just you know what i mean it's like some people can see in pictures and shapes and colors and the color of the doves is like a warm orange do you know what i mean and 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 i know as you say you know you're not just got to look like i I don't say i have a conversation with mates about the doves because going yeah key this shit I don't think the shit, mate. I don't. I don't hate on the doves. They've just you, you've talked about goosebumps, and and I'm I, there's a million bands that give me goosebumps. The doves never have. It's a beautiful thing about music, though, isn't it? We can like different things. Well, that's it. Know. I think. I think as you get older, Martin, I think you sort of you you, you know you're waiting for a, a band that you love to bring out another album, and it's almost and you're really hoping that it's going to build upon their. It's going to be something new that's different, but it's also going to build on their. Sort of like legacy, if you know what I mean. Yes, I think they yes. do. I think that that's how I see music these days in terms of, you know, this. You know, some albums are better than others, but if you take them all into one. You think, wow. Should we talk about your third? Because I think it takes you. They're a band from Birmingham. Yeah, but I'm guessing that you like them and shoot me down in flames. Yeah, because they're harking back to that sort of Manchester vibe. No, maybe. Yeah. Uh... Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting. I, I, you know what? The editors and, and this song "Boxer," I think that's probably furthest from the truth. I think. Trashed and burned. <laughs> <laughs> You've been put well, down. I, I don't mean. I don't mean that they sound like Madchester. Yeah. When I listen to editors, I hear Ian Curtis. I hear Joy Division. Yeah. I hear. I hear Factory yeah. Record. I get you. I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I. I agree. Uh, they, there are. There are. There is. You know, I, I do like Jewelry Division, but I wouldn't say I was the biggest fan. But the editors are, I sort of, because I sort of like, because as I sort of moved in my t- from my teenage years into indie stuff and then sort of moved into like dance and then started getting into like really sort of heavy guitar like My Bloody Valentine and Chapter House and Moose and bands like Slow Dive. Shoegazy. Shoegazy. They sort of, I think the editors, in a way, and this might this might sound really um, try, I think, but they sort of they're sort of growing up with me. They're sort of growing up as I grow up. So you sort of expect, so you you get each album, and I think that's really important. And this song, the boxing, I, is it, it it does sound very very joy divisioning. And mate, it's I, I totally get you. I said ex- I said that about Beastie Boys. What you've said about editors, so I completely agree with you. I think the editors are probably one of the one of the last, and I might, you know, I might get this here, but one of the last great sort of British album bands where, you know, like I've, you know, I've I've had big discussions with my my, my twenty year old, twenty one year old son who's, who I sort of influenced, I hope, and he agrees with me the fact that their albums are just superb. I think the Black Room, which I bought, paints a very. Um, not nostalgic it's sort of like it's very english would you agree yeah, yeah completely yeah yeah i don't want to use the word bleak but it's it it, it it sort of paints england in a black and in a 
in a black and white sort of industrial landscape in the same way Joy Division did. All Sparks, Munich. There, there I just thought that it was a great, great album. I've been lucky enough to see him quite a few times, and um, great live band. Yeah, un- like, unbelievable. Like, re- like I, I remember looking out when I was in Manchester working, and um, and they sold out at the um, uh, at the Apollo, and I, I, I went on, you know, a ticket site, and they had one ticket left, and it was like a Wednesday night, and I thought, I'm going to go. And my wife's going, Oh, you're going to go on your own? I'm like, Yeah. I forget a ticket. Go, and yeah, they're brilliant. Really, really good. You went on your own. There is so many parallels to. I went. You know, we talk. I grew up with a band, and I went on my own to watch them. You, you're saying exactly the same about editors. I don't want to give too much away in case I do a podcast. But there you go. I guarantee, I guarantee you. I guarantee people say this, and they're talking, and they, they're not. They don't mean it. I guarantee you, I'm hitting on ed- editors tomorrow. I am. I'm going to get off the album I've not heard because you painted such a great picture of them, and it's it's sort of making me you 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 ticking boxes that that yeah I agree with you I agree with you. I think as I got older, and you know, life throws lots of different things at you. You know, family, love, you know, loss, and things like that. You sort of I this is me anyway. I, I see music as something that is. It, it is beautiful but harsh as well in terms of the harshness is the, the pictures it paints can be uh, that are extremely vivid that we've talked about can bring back memories that are upsetting but in a way because you're not forgetting those things it, it's a comfort yeah exactly because you don't want you don't want to forget them you no. want them around yeah. but they can upset you yeah exactly yeah tell me about a song that makes you cry then karen oh god got breathe so the song that makes me cry, there's loads of songs that make me cry, but this particular song it, uh, is by a genius, Anthony, uh, Anthony and the Johnsons, You Are My Sister. Yeah. Now, the the album that this from is, uh, I think it's called I'm a Bird Now, which is a beautiful album, and I think it won the Mercury Music Prize yonks ago. I think it did. I could be totally wrong. It did. They did win. They did win the Mercury Music Prize. And just to give you a bit of context, like the album had so many amazing people on it. It had like Devandra Banhart, it had Rufus Wainwright, it had Lou Reed on it. But this song is You Are My Sister, was a, a duet with Boy George. And I love Boy George. Oh, that's really odd you've said that. Yeah. Really odd you've said that because in my notes, yeah. uh, the leasing of Anthony John, um, Anthony. And the Johnsons is now called uh, Anoni, Anoni yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. And I, the first thing I put down when I heard that was, I think her tone is really similar to Boy George. Um, it's odd that I noted that down. <laughs> no, it is. And um, I remember, you know, I'm really close to my sister, and uh, it's it's just a song that you know is is just a beautiful, heartfelt ode. To a sister, she has got she, she she has got that way like that somebody like Nick Drake has dare I suggest where she sounds like she's singing in the room with you. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, and I, and I, and I'm a bit of a geek like this in terms of you know, I got heavily into Anthony Johnson's and uh, there used to be a website and they used to have a website and a fan forums and stuff like that, and I've got loads of like like old 
ripped like live CDs and you know the Johnsons the band is just ridiculous as well and, and I know that she, she did um, she did a BBC4 at the chapel which is just fucking unbelievable it's just her voice is just it's just frightening I need to hear more of these yeah honestly it's it's it, it's great I remember having a really strange story she she used to be represented by this Italian woman called Rita I remember having a like on one of these fans forums. There was a Anthony's or Anoni's uh, booking manager was messaging was about on these forums about the music and what she's going to do. And I just emailed her because I'm just a nosy git. And uh, you know, it was just really interesting to find out, you know, about you know, just getting information about you know what's going on in terms of touring. Because just want because when they, when she got really big. And she used to basically tour dives, you know what I mean, like 50 people. And like when they went big, she just, you know, it's like, like, you know, they, they tour, they go to London, Manchester, Glasgow, and that's it. They don't go anywhere in the middle or anything like that. So, um, it's pretty sad. But yeah, it's, it's a song. This, mate, I can list, I can spend hours telling you other songs that make me cry. Yeah. But you've got to pick one. So there you go. Um, should we talk about a nostalgic song? Got to be certain by Kylie Minogue. You'd be surprised, Kieran, how often Kylie has come up already in these podcasts. You are you are not alone. The production. I know there's a lot of haters about Stop Cake and Warman, but fucking hell. It's just stupid. It's just No hate Tom and Nogan in this cast, trust me, all support. This Stop Cake and Walkman. Massively polished, a beautiful song, perfect one of the most perfect pop songs. Uh never gets old. That's another thing. You hear it now, I think. Yeah. Fucking hell. You could, that could get released now and it'd be in a top to get get to number one. It just reminds me of being yeah. young and just, you know, dossing about my mates. There's plenty of other songs that make me feel nostalgic, but that one particularly, because when I hear it, I have to hear it again. You know, like when you you got a playlist on Spotify and you go onto random and it just comes up and you mean, fucking hell, this is I can't you forget. How good it is. Do you know what I mean? You go, yeah. fucking hell, this is like a really good song. I was looking at my um my albums on on I've on my hard drive the other day and finding some compilations I'd made off CD singles and ones that are tucked away, just saved yeah. away. That, that, that I think, shit, I've not heard that for ages. I know. Shit. And they bring back all these memories and you have I to do. put them back on again. Exactly. Back on again. And you'd not even considered them until you'd read the title again on on Exactly. And, and 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 that and that's I suppose in the way, Martin. That's the amazing thing about music in itself because it just I don't know. It's something that is is hardwired into your psyche or your your very soul that you know you can put a song on and it will just evoke and sort of like manifest memories in your head that you've long since forgotten. But they're all good. Yeah, brilliant. A movie because of its music, Kieran. Blade Runner. Vangelis. Good choice. So you've gone for soundtrack. Some people choose a soundtrack because it's got good songs on it, and some people, about 50-50 at the minute, go for soundtrack specific, and you've gone for a specific soundtrack. I was having a chat with uh, one of my mates um, about this, about this podcast, and he, and he was saying, oh, so what, what sort of questions are you asking you? I mean, and he came to this, and, and, and I said, oh, I'll, I'll put this. Oh, I'll have you. Says, what about like Pulp Fiction or what about you know uh, 
Reservoir Dogs or what about... No, no wrong way to answer this question. At this current time, and obviously due to, you know, we've had this pandemic and I got, I've, like, since March, I was sort of like, I've got really into watching Blade Runner at the weekends. And 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 just on my own, like, late at night sometimes, I find it very indulgent to watch it. And I've always liked Vangelis. I've, I've loved Vangelis anyway. Yeah. And it's a great film. And one of the, one of the 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 irony of the Van of, of a Vangelis soundtrack and it being soundtrack to the film. There's a song on the album called Rachel Song, which is an, another beautiful song that makes me cry sometimes. But that's not actually in the that's not actually in the film, which is really ironic because it's probably one of the standout tracks. But yeah, the the, the film and the soundtrack it, it's symbiotic. It's like if if the soundtrack wasn't there and had a different soundtrack the film wouldn't have been as good and vice versa. So it's, yeah, he's he's a great genius and, you know. uh, Yeah, and that was a perfect description of that question. It was a perfect answer. It was. It was great. Now, describe yourself as a genre of music. Um, I've I've put guitar, psychedelic, indie rock. (laughs) Is that even a genre? Maybe King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. If you went into HMV. Hopefully there'll be a tab saying guitar, psychedelic, and rocking it out of that. And there'll just be King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard under it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Wizard Lizard. Which one is it? Is I don't it know. Wizard, yeah. There's there's loads. And like, you know, it's like anything. It's like music and your taste is like a meandering river. Sometimes you go down one tributary and, and you, you go to this part and it's this. And then sometimes you, you, you sort of, you know, you might one of your mates might say, have you heard that? And then you hear it and then you sort of start going down another route. And yeah, yeah and I, I, I just like guitar music. I always have. I just like live music anyway. And as I said at the start of the podcast, you know, going to see a live band and this is one of the things that I really, really miss since lockdown. Yeah. It's a fucking, but you think to yourself, fucking hell, these are amazing. It's like, hold on. It, they actually sound, and uh, one of the things that blow my mind's mind is like, some bands like, are better studio bands than live bands, but more often than not, and you know, you know, please let's discuss. But bands nowadays, they're better live than they're on record. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like I think anyway. The bands that I like, it's almost like they save something for the lot to do it live. Do you know what I mean? Well, they have to because that's the way you make your money these days. Exactly. I think maybe as well. I would say that um, in this in today's. The immediacy of today, where people can just select a track and even buy a track rather than an album, then maybe people are more. Maybe bands get their kicks out of a live performance because they know people are just going to nitpick tracks that they like out of the albums. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I might be talking utter shit. No, no, I, no. I think, I think, I think the concept of a record as a record as a physical twelve-inch you know, 200 GSM piece of vinyl to an 11 or 12 year old is, is a, is a completely crazy concept. Like I remember having a discussion with my youngest and, and you know, he's got, got everything, you know, he's got Spotify and, and he, he does like, he does like some, my music and I'm like showing him a record. I've got quite a few records. What's that? The record. What's, what do you mean it's a record? It's like, yeah, you put it on a record player play it what plastic yeah it's like well i can get it i just press play on my phone why would you want them cluttering your house (laughs) well that's (laughs) why that's why most of mine are in storage do you know what i mean but um but yeah it's it's 
I, yeah, live music's great, and, and and I can't wait for my youngest to come with me. Like like my eldest, who's twenty one, and he's in a band, and and he loves going to gigs with me, and it's great to feed and buzz off the enjoyment of of music that you love. In a, in a crowd and everyone's sort of like, you know what I mean? It's like a collectiveness of love and warmth in a way without sounding wanky. But hopefully when we can go back out and uh, go to shows, you might be able to take your sons mm. to your favourite band of all time, who <laughs> yeah. are an incredible, incredible yeah. live band. Yes. That I've had the privilege of actually watching with you. You have indeed. We have, yeah. The House of Love, yeah. Um, the one and only... Terry Bickers, one of the most underrated guitarists on the planet. Ridiculous. Honest to God, like that. Guy Chadwick, Terry. It, he ain't bad neither. Yeah, honest to God. Um, I, I look I look, I look, look upon fondly. Like, looking back, you think, fucking hell, we saw him in Preston. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what? And I'm like, and, 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 you know, and it wasn't, it's really difficult to, comp- it's, it, I couldn't, couldn't get me out. I'm like, hold on. Yeah, about 10 foot and um went quiet and i went terry bickers you're a fucking genius and guys I'd went, remember that yeah yeah, yeah. Chad, you're not bad either guy <laughs> oh yeah that like like when i got seriously into like into my music and um the house of love obviously everyone knows like shine on and and yeah. and you know people from the stones but you know, the first album, you know, did it, you know I, I, I made it my modus operandi to have their complete discography on vinyl and CD and tape. Not jealous. And I'm probably, and you'll be jealous now, I'm probably like 95% there in terms of what I've got. And I spent, and this is like, this is like, you know, when I was like in my 20s and, you know, getting like, you know, you know, like record collected the magazine and all that, and yeah. back in the day where I had all the classifieds at the back, and you had to like phone them, or and there was no websites. It was like you, you post, oh, can I have uh, Christine on seven inch on the Creation ninety nine P label for like seven pound, and they'd write to you back, yeah, you can, and then you send them a check, and it, it's just cracking. Yeah. I used it's, to phone them. Do you yeah, have phone yeah, them? yeah, I used to phone them and go, hi, yeah, and like, like. um like bartering on the phone. Oh, them were the days, man, weren't they? And I'm not, don't want to sound like an old bastard. No, no. But didn't that make it a load more fucking fun by it? Oh, mate, it was great. And, 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 and it's like, um, it's just like hunting for stuff. I love hunting for stuff, whether it's records, trainers, whatever. I, like, I just like researching stuff. I, I want to know. Yeah. House of Love is just a fantastic band. Always have been. I've seen them. I remember seeing them. Probably when I was like 21, uh, they played at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, and I can remember it vividly because I went with my mate Winnie. Um, and they had Mercury Rev and the Cranberries of support. They were really good, both bands. And, and yeah. there was at a time when they were hand, like if you went to the gig, they'd hand out, like, they'd give you like um, a free 10 inch record and stuff like that. And I've got all those and they're just fucking great. All their albums are great. And, and thankfully, a lot of the older albums that weren't on Spotify are now on Spotify. But, you know, the first album on creation is just a fucking masterpiece. It's just fucking stupid. It's just, like, I keep saying it's stupid. I, I mean, stupid as in, you know, at the time, 
It's yeah. And it's not your favourite album of all time. No, it isn't. That's the thing. Well, this is it, you see, like I did spend a long time, you know, mulling over this because we could do this podcast every week and it will ch- every 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 question that you have to ask me will change. So my favourite album of all time is by a band called Slow Dive and it's Sue Varkley. Sue I can't even say it. Sue Vlarkey. Savlaki? Savlaki. Yeah. And um, it's just it's just a really beautiful sound. This is Slow Dive's sophomore record from 1993. Yeah, and, um, you know, the, the, the first album came out on Creation Records. You know, they were like the next greatest thing. And, you know, the second album comes out, and I loved it because I, 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 I bought into it anyway, regardless. But it got panned, and it's sort of like... And some of the songs, Brian Eno, I think, did got involved and did some of it whoever did it's a mega soundscape and yeah i wrote three things down i listened to it yesterday doing my homework right yeah. and i wrote three names down discuss oh. right pink floyd yeah. the cure yeah. spaceman three yeah mate 100 yeah that's perfect i could have said it better myself check it no, out no, no, I'm, not, I'm not licking your ass but yeah not from this distance anyhow <laughs> i'm a really long tongue <laughs> like a human <laughs> figure um, <laughs> so, so, so Space Station is probably the the the, the hot the, the song on, on it, but you've got like songs like Forty Days, which is like it's like a song that sort of like beats you up with guitars. It's just so deep, heavy, and dark, and yeah, you get you like these dark. sort of monotone, sort of like dreary vocals by you know Neil Holstead, who's who's, who's one of the singers, and then. You have like this beautiful sort of ethereal vocals from Rachel Goswell, who's another singer in the band. But yeah. you know, and I remember um, going out, going to see one of my mates years ago in London, and uh, another of my mates came round. Uh, we just listened to music and that. And we go, oh fucking hell! And so I had like a just for the da- just for a day T-shirt, on their first album. I go, oh, I fucking love Slow Dive, and then you just like, and so the the, the newest album that released a couple years ago was brilliant. And, and luckily, I saw it. I saw him at the Albert Hall in Manchester probably two years ago, and they're just fucking amazing. And I just love that water sound. I was like, how do you get that yeah. sound out of the guitar? How do you do it? Yeah. How do you get that? I don't know. A bit like a bit like Spaceman Three, and a bit like you know, spiritualizing some of their stuff. It's yeah. just well, it's quite yeah, bluesy. It's quite bluesy, but just based in yes, yeah, certainly um, spiritualized. Yeah, and Spaceman Three. Yeah, it is. I remember. Um, one of the best gigs I've ever been to was um, spiritualized about five or six, probably six or seven years ago. They did a tour. They did about a five-day tour in the UK. Well, they yeah. took, they they did their gigs in churches. All right. They okay. went to do in the church. So they had the full band with the full um, gospel uh, choir of them. Oh, can you imagine that? And and um, and at the time, I wasn't a massive. I, I knew about them, and I've heard you know loads of guys' melodies and things like that. I went with one of my mates, Steve, who I used to work with years ago, and his wife and my wife. And fucking hell, Martin. It was like, it's like, it's almost like you've been, and bearing in mind, it's like a beautiful old church so that the acoustics are on point, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, they're very stoic, aren't they? They're very stoic, band. And then there's strobes and dark lights. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're literally frozen. You can't tear your eyes off them. 
and you can't move because you just want to take in every single bit of experience. And it was amazing. Yeah, I've I've seen him a few times, and yeah, same thing, same thing. I can't segue particularly well from Spiritualized into your favourite song of all time, but I will say that I, I refreshed my memory on it today and just thought, yeah, that's cool. It, it's 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 sort of got that um, early '90s sort of acid house baggy dance, dance vibe to it. Would you agree? I completely agree. Yeah, only only love can break your heart by Saint Etienne is without doubt my favourite song of all time. Nice choice. It's just you know a Neil Young cover, beautifully sang, production's amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. Sort of like, is it an oboe, oboe or a clarinet? I don't know. That's sort of like the loop going through it. I'm not sure. Some sort of wind instrument. It's not a saxophone anyway. Um, but um, yeah, it's just remi- it's, just, it's just one of those. It's just it's just a song that sort of reminds you of fucking around in Nottingham, like Downhoe Pierpont, which is like a water sports centre when you were younger. 1990, so it's around that time that you were talking about. Yeah. Finish my A-levels, what am I going to do? You know, you've got six weeks to bum my back, and it, it just gives a lot of, just gives a lot of lovely memories. And, you know, when I was a bit younger and used to sort of, I used to spin, a, I used to spin a few tunes in my time and, and, and I always, always used to play this song in my set at, at one point, whether it's, I always did because it's just such a great song. They're a great band as well. You know, they are. Yeah, they are. They are. What's interesting is Moira Lambert, who sang the song, wasn't actually the singer. Like Sarah Cracknell's the singer about the same. Sarah Cracknell's oh, right. Okay, so it wasn't the same singer. I did not realise that seriously. Yeah, so you had you had only love can break your heart that Moira Lambert sang, and then there's kiss and make up, which was sung by someone else. Then Sarah Cracknell got on board, and then that's so. Originally, St. Etienne was like Pete Wiggs and Bob Stanley, like two producers, you know, yeah. and then obviously Sarah Crandall came on board. But yeah, really good band. The, the, the first album is brilliant. But yeah, it's just a great, just a great song. Beautiful song. Can't, can't disagree. It seems a shame to um, bring up your guilty pleasure now to round this wonderful, wonderful interview off. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> With another man. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Uh, James Blunt, yeah. James um, Blunt. If I could tell you why I like him, I, 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 I don't know. I just do. Hey, listen, we've all got him, haven't we? I, I, he come, he, the best thing I can say about him is I quite like him in interviews. Yeah, he's dead. I, I'd, yeah. Like, I'd have a pint with him. Mm. Exactly. And you know what? You'd have a great... You, imagine, right? I know this is like proper hypothetical, but imagine if you knew him. You'd fucking hell, go, go out blunties. Go out with blunties tonight and go, right, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, lad. I think it, he'd be okay if you, if you said to him, you fucking records are shit, mate. I know, like, you know, I know you don't think that, but I think he could be in the pub with Blunt and go, mate, I, your record's a dog turd. And he'd go, well, who's the millionaire? Yeah, you know? who's got a beautiful house in Ibiza? Who's laughing? married to a beautiful model yeah and that's it I think what's really endearing about James Blunt is that I remember listening to You're Beautiful on Radio 2 years ago and like it and I thought right who's this so I started going and I went to he played at Rock City and there must have been about 200 people there and it was just before it actually released it so you get airplay, wouldn't you? Like the first song, you get airplay, and then it get it'll get airplay, and then it will get released. 
and then it'll obviously go up the charts. So I went to see him just before it came out, but I heard the song. I remember thinking he looked really uncomfortable. Like, looked, I've seen him a couple of times, and, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy and I'm, I'm cool with, you know, I've seen him about three or four times, and he yeah. come across, across as being really uncomfortable on the stage. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know. He's got. He's, Maybe he's his got, mates are telling him he's dog shit, and he's goes, "Well, I'm the millionaire, man." <laughs> yeah, but you know, like you go, you know, you go to see bands, and 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 a lot of the experience is the fact that, like. The front man is charismatic, like like Bono or whatever. Or yeah, he carries the like show. That, carries the show, yeah. but it, but I think with him, his songs carry the show because his songs yeah. are like no. He, do you know what? He's he's clearly a talented guy. He's not Michael yeah. Petit, but I, I'm not going to diss anybody. No, he's it, it, it's just a guilty pleasure. I'm half communication person, dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I'm only having a laugh though. You know, it's all it's all. Um, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? It's all opinion. No, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's all lighthearted. Well, that's what music's about. Like that's Isn't why. It? That's why we're in a, we could we could spend hours going through. And I've spent hours with mates, you know, talking about music. And we take rock. We rise each other up and fucking hell, that's dog shit. Well, I got one mate who hates rap music. Uh, I have plenty of those un- uncool mates. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's just music, isn't it? Music's music. That's what it is. And I, I can even remember, like, I can. Even, I, I remember uh, um, from the first first podcast where Ash was, uh, uh, Ben was talking about um, having music that you know you don't want your mum and dad to listen to. Yeah, I, yeah, we touched on that. Dangerous, dangerous music. We call it. Well, I remember like um, my brother bringing home like uh, uh, NWA straight out of Compton and like playing that. And I'm like going, you got to turn this down, Con, because mum and dad are going to go mental. And he's going, no, no I'm going to listen to it. It's music, isn't it? And, you know, that's the way it is. And, you know, yeah. it's totally sub- it's totally subjective. It's just, you know. Kieran? Yes? I want to thank you because you've totally got the purpose of this show. You've answered the questions in a really, really brilliant way. Can't wait to put it out. And I just want to thank you very, very much for being on the show. It's it's always it's a pleasure to hear your 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 your, your dulcet tones, and it's been a pleasure being part of it. It's been great. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks so much. No problem. See you later, mate. Bye right, bye bye. Hi, it's me again. If you've got this far, it means you've actually took the time to listen to one of our podcasts, for which I'm sincerely really grateful. Please follow us if you can, and keep your eye out for for more of these as they come along. And if you like it that much, it'd be great if you could give us a review. Be really, really happy if you could do that for us. If you haven't already, if you could join the Facebook group, there's lots of chat that goes beyond podcasts on there for like-minded people who just really dig music. It's called Everyday Music People Group. Well, not group, Everyday Music People. You'll find us there. If you're interested on being on the show, you can either contact us through the Facebook group or there is an email address which is everydaymusicpeople at gmail.com, all one word. Once again, thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next cast. Bye.